yeah, yeah. Welcome to the Who That Kiss podcast. It's your boy RK, and we're going to be joined by Elias J. Williams and my boy JD pretty soon to talk about that Saints game that we had to watch on Sunday. I said had to because, well, I'm going to get into it on the podcast, but I guess I'll give you a little preamble. It was awful. I enjoy watching the Saints play any minute I get to watch them play, but that was an ugly game. And it just gave me a lot of confidence for this season being like, if we played that awful and we gave this perennial Super Bowl team that they created in Tampa Bay now fits, I'm pretty excited to see where we're going to go. Anyways, uh, we're going to be back with Elias and Justin right away, so stay tuned and we'll be right back. Alright, welcome back to the Who That Kiss podcast. It's your boy RK, Rockin' Wit. And my boy over there coming in. Elias J. Williams. Yes, two L's, don't forget it. Um... Eliza's a superstar right now. Hit us up with those predictions, and uh, you hit him on the head. So going into the game, Elias, I really wanted to pick your brain. Why did you think the game was going to go the way that it did? And because you got it so accurately, um, what do you think about next week? <laughs> well, I think, you know, continuity is a big thing. I thought the Saints had the benefit of, of having um, continuity on offense, defense, uh, coaching, all of that coming back from the year before uh, in a shortened offseason the way you had, that's got to be a benefit for a team. Seems yeah. might new, um, but when you have a team like the Buccaneers who also returned a lot of key pieces, you're swapping out a quarterback, and that's a significant piece because not only does the offense have to figure out how to work with the quarterback, the quarterback has to figure out how to work with the offense. You've got to figure out the timing of the play calls with the offensive coordinator. So the Saints having a bit of an advantage there just from a continuity aspect um, just made a little bit more sense for me. And then I think right before the, the game, I, we did the show and I wrote this out. This game is going to be on the offense and how well they play the first half to put the defense in position to play opportunistic. The Saints are behind and the Bucks still have the option to be multidimensional. This game is going to escape them in the second half. Mm. And the Saints offense, they played balanced. Um, the defense was then allowed to play opportunistic because uh, Brady had to throw the ball to stay in it. And I think that's the formula for the Saints going forward. The offense is going, isn't going to be 2011-level offense. They're not going to be winging it 400, 500 yards a game. They just need to be efficient. They need to be able to score. And then the defense, and particularly the secondary, needs to be able to play well to capitalize on more passing attempts by opposing teams. Mm-hmm. Well, and I want to I want to hear your take on this, Justin. But like for me, I was never under the misconception, you know, that we were going to be 2011. I did have a thought that Drew might have a, a really successful year because with all the weapons around, like we we threw out a, a hypothetical saying if we put Jared Cook, Alvin Kamara, Michael Thomas, Emmanuel Sanders and Deontay Harris on the field, and we go five wide by moving Kamara, you know, out into the slot somewhere. I, I don't know a lot of defenses that are able, if, if we get good protection for Drew, like even three and a half seconds, I don't know a lot of defense that can match up with those five guys because that's five special guys. You know what I mean? That's five special elite talents at their position. So uh, maybe I was a little bit... Um, I don't want to say bullish in the sense that I thought that Drew would have, you know, some pretty gaudy numbers at some points in time this year, but I, I wasn't, I don't want to say I was upset. I was bored. I was definitely bored in this game. 
And I was really sick and tired of watching some of the play calls that Sean put in or the checks that Drew checked into. Drew missing Kamara on that, you know, that little, like, semi-wheel semi route that he ran. Like, for me, that's, that's, a, that's an optic look at something that maybe we are seeing, you know, the, the elite drop-off. You know how Peyton Manning fell off? We might be seeing something like that. And I don't want to, you know, ju- jump to conclusions too quickly because it's game one. And there was no preseason. And there's a hundred reasons why this could just be a one-game anomaly. But for me, I didn't like the play calling by Sean. I was wondering if that was if his play calling was hindered by the fact that he didn't think Drew could make the throws that he needed him to make by seeing some of the misses that Drew made or seeing some of the checks that Drew didn't check into or did check into in the game. You know what I mean? Like, I'm wondering if Sean was a little bit like, yo, Drew, what the heck are you doing? But you can't really call the guy out like that. You know what I mean? Because they're boys. So, um, that was a big takeaway for me from this game. Um, I did call an 11-point victor. I thought we would do it in a different way, but our defense, man. Justin, I want you to talk about the defense because you were all over this. What did you think about the defensive performance in that first game? I thought um, a couple guys really stood out. One that kind of went under the radar was uh, C.D. Deuce. He he led the team in tackles. He had nine. And he had some great ones, too. Um, Like like at at the right time, like, you know, knocking down Fournette when he could have got out, got away for a big run because they had the right protection for him to get some, you know, the, the gap. And he, and, and, and you see CJGJ or whatever you want to call him now come in into the picture and just take his knees out. And, and there's about, what, 60 pounds difference between Fournette and, and, and CJ, right? So for, for him to play at that level and lead the team in tackles uh, with, a, you know, a guy like Demario Davis in the field for the whole game, uh, who, who would typically do that otherwise? Like that's from his position for the amount of snaps he played. I think that was was outstanding. Um, you know, Cam Jordan didn't quite get off, you know, the way he wanted to. But on the other side, uh, I guess that opened it up for Trey against Donovan Smith. Um, so Trey looked good. He, he had an energy guy just like last last year, week one. He came off the edge nicely. Um, yeah, like those two guys really stood out. And then of course. There's one play that really, really stuck with me. And I know Janoris Jenkins got that pick six, but uh, I think it was third and, might have been third and four, and they were backed up behind their 20. And I feel like if they had converted, they might have had a longer drive. And Janoris Jenkins, like, you know, peeled off his guy and then made the tackle. And I'm like, what's that, that receiver, number seven? Is that Scotty? Scotty Miller. Scotty Miller, yeah. He tackled Scotty Miller just at the line to force him to a fourth and inches, and they chose to punt. Like that play in particular was amazing. Malcolm so Jenkins made some. Malcolm Jenkins made some plays too across the middle. You know what I mean? Like yeah. knocking down a couple of balls. And I thought, I thought the PA that the PI that they called against Jenkins um, was BS. And I thought the first uh, PI that they called against Marshall and Lattimore was just egregious. Um, looking back at it, you're thinking that the, we keep on getting stung with these really bad calls that could flip games because that gave Tampa Bay points. And uh, lucky for us, our defense is very, very stout. Um, I got a question for you, Elias. Watching the defensive front and seeing that Shy Tuttle was inactive, we had no Davenport, and we were still able to wreak havoc, and Cam had a quiet game. Even though they were chipping, they were chipping Cam, and you know, I don't know why, why he doesn't get holding calls when he's being held. You see guys get their arms up under his helmet and kind of hold, and he doesn't get those calls. I wonder if it's because he's he's a, a pretty vocal guy in the media and refs don't like that or something. But uh, how, do you think that this defensive line pressure that we're getting is going to be sustainable? 
And do you think it's actually a result of those guys playing well, or do you think it's a result of the coverage that the guys are having in the back end? I, I think it's sustainable, but I, I, I would like to think that coverage, tight man coverage that you've got definitely helped the defensive line. Because it's, here's the thing, defensive line doesn't have any 2.5, 3-second pass rushers on it. Yeah. It, just, it just doesn't. Um, and when you're playing zone coverage like we played the previous years before, you need a defensive line that gets there quick or the zones, the, the holes in the zones open up. Um Conversely, when you play a little bit more man coverage, if you have a secondary that can cover for, you know, tight coverage for at least, you know, three to three seconds or so, then it gives the defensive line a little bit more time to get there, and I think that's what you saw. Um, there was there were no easy passes for Brady in that game. Yeah. Nothing was was easy. Compared to what you've seen in previous years from the secondary where, where guys are just opening holes and, the coverage isn't tight, and we're giving up these easy plays with, like, just – there was nothing easy that game. And the idea was that uh, if you had to put the game in Brady's hands that we discussed on the podcast, you had to put the game in Brady's hands and force him to make immaculate passes all game, that was a great thing. That was That's kind of what you wanted. And that's what the Saints did. And while Brady had some good throws, he also had some throws that I'm pretty sure he would like to take back. And the Saints were able to capitalize on those plays, and that's what they're going to have to do as a secondary moving forward. Yeah. Um, they they are going to have to cover for the defensive line while the D line kind of gets things under control. Um, Cam Jordan is over 30, 30 years of age, so there is a possibility for a drop-off there. Marcus Davenport has started a season injured again. So there is a possibility that he doesn't fully develop. Rankin still, can he continue, Can he come back to being the Rankin of old? There's questions on the defensive line that the secondary is going to have to answer for them. And in, at least for the first game of the year, they did that. They assisted the defensive line, and it made them look better than possibly the talent that was you know, on the field or the consistency of what they were looking at. So okay. that's going to be a theme moving forward for them, how well the secondary plays. Okay. Um, these are, these are, I had three, well, I'll call it four. I, I had three definite observations in this game, and I know how I feel about them, but I want to hear what both of you guys feel about them, so y'all just freely talk, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to listen to you guys here. Uh, the first observation, I thought Tampa Bay spent the majority of, I don't know, 29, 30 snaps in our backfield, and uh, that was troubling for me to see, whether they're pressuring Drew or, or smacking our running backs in the mouth you know, um, in the backfield. And I, I get it. They were a very good run defense last year, and they're returning a lot of guys. I, I get all that. I still find it troubling because that's not a commonality that we see. Um, as Saints fans, I, I feel like we have a top five offensive line every year. So I didn't, I didn't like seeing that. And, you know, bringing a rookie in to be the savior of that offensive line, being able, being able to hand, uh, stand up to that pass rush and, and that front seven getting after us is, is not going to be okay because I, I don't think he's that talented that he's going to make that big of a difference. Um, the second observation is Mike's injury at the end of the game and his lack of usage. What do you find that that was attributed to? And the last observation was, what's the next step for Kamara here? Because it, if we keep on trying to run Kamara between the tackles, you know, A and B gap, I don't think he's going to be productive. Not the way our offensive line is, is constructed as now. 
So what's the next step and how are we, how are we going to get use out of this guy? You know what I mean? So Justin, I want you to think about that before we pop on. I'm just going to grab Elias here. He just dropped off, okay? Yeah, the call dropped, Elias. Did you did you hear any of what I said? I heard the first part right after you cut out right after mentioning the guys having spending a little bit too much time in our backfield. Yeah, so just talking about Tampa Bay's defensive line. I know they're I know they're talented, um, but I found it troubling that they were in our in our backfield so often. And I think I think adding a rookie is not the answer to our offensive line woes uh, that that were apparent in this game. And then secondly, the Mike injury. And his lack of usage in the game, I'm really. I want to see what you what you guys think that that was attributed to, and then the last thing would be um, AK's not being able to run, you know, a gap, b gap stuff, and not being effective. Like we can see that just that's just not going to be effective for him on the totality of a game. So, what's the next step? Because we're paying this guy fifteen million dollars. What is the next step other than passing him wheel passes, wheel routes, to get him to be effective for us? You know, the entire game. Like, 65 yards, 75 yards for a $15 million running back is not uh, what I think they wanted to do, right? So, you guys both go. I just want to hear what you guys have to say about that. Yeah, I, I think I think question one and question three are tied together, obviously. Uh, the first, you know, the first game of the year uh, where Nick Easton's playing at a, at a position where, you know, Cesar Ruiz might have been playing. Who knows how, how good he can be at the professional level. He looked you know, really good in college. Every snap he did his job properly. So if he can translate, you know, that to the NFL level, he'll probably be better than Nick Easton, I'm guessing. Um, and and just, yeah, this front seven from yesterday, arguably the top front seven that will play all season long, right? Now that Von Miller's out in, in Denver, like that was when I was worried about, um, like this Tampa Bay front seven, they're, they're stout and they're solid all across. All seven guys can play. Um, and then play at a high level and play well together, it seems, too. So I think, I think that was a product of what they can do versus what we couldn't do. Um, obviously, we have to counter that, though, as the season goes on. Um, and, yeah, Alvin Kamara getting you know, 16 yards and 12 carries is, is asinine. That's not going to happen again. If, if he has 12 carries, like, you have to expect he's going to still you know, get his 4.5 or 5 yards per carry, hopefully. So um, Latavius Murray, I think he was like a shoelace away from know, breaking off three or four big runs, um, and, and hopefully he can kind of get that extra burst to get past the, you know, the, those guys who'll be tackling him. So I think those two things will get corrected, will get figured out. I think AK will be used more heavily as the season goes on. I think he'll be for the first, you know, five six games, you know, tempered. I think they'll, they'll take it easy with him because they don't want to put him in a situation where he gets injured and he's playing, you know, at three quarters like he was last year. Um, because they are paying so much money now too, they want to have him to showcase, you know, you know, December football, January football. Um, but also with Mike, I don't know. Did Carlton Davis just do a good job on him? Is that is that just the fact of the matter? Like I, I don't know what happened there. Like he he wasn't targeted as much though either. So um, maybe they're trying to you know sprinkle in the other guys that they have to get get touches to and get their confidence up for the year. That way they can start to think that. 
you know, our defenses can now think that maybe Mike won't be such the focal point this year, and then all of a sudden, you know, he's back at it. So uh, <clears throat> I don't really have a, a direct answer, but I feel like what, what can be corrected will be corrected. And uh, in week one, without preseason, the offensive line, obviously, as, as gelled as they were from last year, they still, it's a new, new season, right? So they're going to need to have that, that game experience and live, live reps and, and one game in, they, they didn't look great, but I think there's potential to be great still. Okay. What, what do you think, Elias? I'm going to take a different angle on, you know, them living in the backfield. The most important thing is Tampa Bay is a divisional team. So they are going to know our tales and the certain things that we do well as a running team. And you, you can see there were times when Levante David was pretty much shooting gaps where he knew there would be a gap. Yeah. So I think that's something that comes from just playing a familiar team and yeah. that team knowing us. Okay. On top of them having the number one run defense from a year ago. On top of Sean Payton admittedly having suspect play called. You get three anomalies like that, or three things that don't happen often, and I think that is more of an anomaly than something that'll be consistent. Um, with the Mike Thomas usage, I think it was a combination of good coverage from Carlton Davis and the defense focusing on just not getting beat by Michael Thomas. That's just going to happen. Again, you throw in that Ty Bowles is one of the better defensive coordinators. Um, it's a team that knows us. They know what routes we like to run. I mean, they are built to counter us. Um, and specifically, they're built to stop one of the premier talents in Michael Thomas from having that connection. Him and Drew Brees have that connection all day because, face it, you have to if you're going to have a chance at beating this team. Mm-hmm. So him not having a, a big game, um, I think you have to give the respect to Tampa Bay for ensuring that not happening. Um rather than it just not happening on its own. I think they put in effort to not have that happen. Okay. Um, finally, the a- AK and the A and B gap, that has never really been his strength. Uh, that was when Mark Ingram was here, that was Ingram's thing. You can run in between the, the gaps, but the, the issue is, is that his success as a runner between the A and B gap has always come when he's seen light boxes, six-man boxes. If a team is going to play you seven to eight-man boxes, single high safety, um, that's just not what you want to run with AK. Um, You want to do outside zone, things like that, that have become the bread and butter. Uh, But also, AK is part of a new age of running backs where, listen, 20 to 25 touches a game between the tackles just isn't what you're going to ask for him. Um, You're going to ask him to affect the teams in the passing game uh, and that's what he did. That's what he does. Uh, he's a new age running back with their, their part receiver, part running back. And I, I thought the usage is right where you want to get. I think his impact as a touchdown scorer, I don't, similar how I don't care about how many yards the defense has, uh, that they give up just the play that they make. That's my thing with Alvin Kamara. As long as he's scoring touchdowns, the, the yards, minuscule. He's a playmaker that he aids the offense in putting points on the board, even more effective than Michael Thomas is from that regard. AK is your guy when you need points, he's going to get you points and he did that with two touchdowns first game. So uh, I think his usage, again, will improve, but I think the running thing, it's just when the Saints can get teams to to put less guys in the box, um, 
you see his his uptake as far as yards from the A and B gap increase, but that'll be something that's never his thing. He will be an outside zone runner. Mm. Like, can I stand on my soapbox for a second? Why is the NFL so damn petty with us? Like, the, it was called a touchdown at the end of the game. We're talking about a centimeter between the cleat touching the ground and that being in the end zone breaking the plane. Like, the, the rule says if it's, if it's not indisputable, the call stands. I didn't see indisputable truth that said that he wasn't in. Even when they froze it, I was just like, I don't get it, man. They, it doesn't change anything. You know what I mean? The over was already had in Vegas, if you're a gambler. The spread was covered. The spread was covered. The only thing you're doing right now is wrecking with that man's money. I guess they figured he already got paid, so they don't give a damn. But, man, I just, I don't know, man. I think that was petty by the NFL to be like, nah, it's no touchdown. But um, do we have anything to worry about with, there was a couple of throws that I saw. I, the, all the stuff that you guys said makes sense. Uh, the familiar opponent with Levante David, I thought the exact same thing. Uh, him and White both had great games, and it seemed like they were just getting through gaps untouched. There was one where Kamara missed a block on, on Levante David. He came across Drew's face and went to go block someone on the left side, and David came and shot through right over Easton's left arm and literally just made Drew get rid of the ball because he was going to crush him. And I thought to myself, like, this is, there's something going on here. You know, like, whether they know what's going on with us or we're making mistakes, or, or whatever it is, and I, I guess I tried to attribute a lot of that, you know, and the fact that I, well, I was getting bored in the game at some point, because they haven't had a preseason game, and I thought that that would be a benefit to us having Drew, because he's a vet, but um, I'm a little bit worried, I saw Mike ran a post on, on a play, and Drew checked it down, and, and Mike was open, uh, later in the game, Emmanuel Sanders was the second deep in, and he didn't look at Emmanuel Sanders. He just went right to Jared Cook for like a, a little comeback. And for me, those are throws that I, I would always attribute to Drew throwing. So I'm a little bit worried. I said if you're going to go 10, you know, a hurricane's coming. Um, and one, you ain't got to worry about nothing. I'm a, like a six right now with Drew. That, that's where I'm at with Drew. Um, I've never been there before. So do you guys have any fear with Drew going forward? Or do you feel like I'm a little bit too pessimistic after the first game? I, I, I think you're just you're. I think I think we came into this game talking about all the weapons we had, and we didn't see him use the weapons properly. And, and I think there's that's not going to change. Those weapons are still going to be there, barring injury, obviously. But and he's going to find a way to use them all. And and one one of the things in Sean Payton and Drew Brees' offense for the past 15 years has been spreading the ball out. And and I feel it almost might be a hindrance with too many weapons to get them all touches. And he's going to second-guess himself. And I know it doesn't matter in-game who gets the most catches, but the way that Sean Payne's offense is always run, it's like nine receivers or, or running backs or fullbacks or tight ends, whatever the case might be, they always have at least nine people catching a ball at some point in the game. Now we have nine legitimate weapons, counting Deontay Harris, of course, and Ty Montgomery, touch the ball and, and make, you know, progress with the ball in their hand. So now I wonder if they're going to overthink sometimes, you know, you guys spread the ball up more so that the defense is on their, on their heels at all times and these guys are on the field. Yeah. Like, and it might just be one of those things where too much of a good thing to start, but eventually they're going to 
more important to get the ball in their hands and and, and as long as Mike can get you know that, that ankle proper, it'll it'll become him again. And, and I think once that happens, everyone else is going to start you know uh, producing more as a result of him being productive. Mm. What do you so, think? What do you think, Elias? Well, I, so I'm seeing people you know go back to the Vikings game last year, which is another game where I think Drew had under 100 yards and. Uh, the pressure was there from the interior, and I, and I think, I think Drew has been six foot for a long time. I think interior pressure has always been his issue. Obviously, regression is real, right? The interior pressure now comes, and he doesn't have the wheels to get out um, and make certain plays. However, I think one, I think there was a a clear continuance of the fact that. Um, free agent signing in this offense just did not start off the season well. I posted this tweet. Um, Emmanuel Sanders followed a pattern that offensive free agents that are brought into the Saints, their first game of the Saints, they just weren't highly used. Mm-hmm. Um, I think the same of Ty Montgomery. Um, the statistics show it. Spiller's first game, they had three attempts, seven yards, one reception, 19 yards. In his first game, one reception, six yards. Again, four receptions, 55 yards, probably had your biggest impact there. Yeah. Cameron Meredith, one reception, 11 yards, a touchdown. Jared Cook, two receptions, 37 yards. Sanders, three receptions, 15 yards, and a touchdown. Yeah. There, it takes a while for them to assimilate those offensive pieces into the offense. And generally, your first game of the season, and I, I think Murray's first game last year was, was similar as a running back. There has to be a certain level of trust before you start to integrate those guys. So while we have, I don't think the issue was that you spoke earlier about we had all these weapons and it seemed like there's a cast of characters, uh, players that, you know, give the Saints a ton of options. Having it on paper is true. Having it actually come to fruition in the first game is kind of hard to do. Mm. I think that that's something that's going to improve as the season progresses. And as long as Drew just needs to be the point guard, I think that's always been beneficial of him. I think that the Saints game one went with what was tried and true for them. They went after, they, they did with things with guys that they know already function in the system. Cook was able to take advantage of some some lapses in coverage and some attention being paid to Kamara and Thomas, as he should have. As the season progresses, you'll see guys like Troutman get worked in. You may see more two running back packages with Montgomery get worked in. You'll see Emmanuel Sanders get worked in a lot more. Uh, you'll see uh, our, our young wide receiver get get worked in. Trey Quan even gets worked in. As the season progresses those guys will get more opportunities. But in your first game like that, you're going to rely on your big week. That's just what you're going to do. Um, you add to the fact that Sean Payton just didn't call a good game. Mm-hmm. On top of the last two games that the Saints have faced, they played two of the better coordinators in Zimmer and Todd Bowles. Those guys are paid to play defense and to get their guys ready to play defense. It's not that big of a concern for me in week one because just like other teams had short off seasons, even though the Saints benefited from having continuity, they also had a short off season, mm-hmm. which means that the offense isn't going to be running on all cylinders, and not surprisingly, Drew Brees isn't going to be running on all cylinders. Now, again, regression is real, 
So there are limitations to Drew's game, and those are going to be the fact of the matter going forward. But as long as Drew Brees is the best quarterback in the room, you have to live with it. And I think Sean Payton will call it but a game that accentuates what Drew still does well while it minimizes what he doesn't do so well. Yeah. Yes, you may have to bring in a Taysom for some deep throws, but I think I think maybe Drew, you know, there were some throws that maybe we didn't get a chance to see because Kamara misses two blocks that end up getting, you know, Drew Brees hit, and those plays may have been open. And it's being that we're focusing on the plays that we're, we're like, maybe he could have thrown the ball, you kind of forget about the plays where he didn't have the chance to throw the ball deep. Yeah, it's true. That's a good point. So I think that there's, I think there's opportunity for growth there offensively, and I'm not worried about you know this game. Again, there's a lot of factors that play into Drew Brees not having a stellar game, um, and while regression is one of them, I think there are plenty of other factors that may hold a higher percentage than just him regressing alone and not being able to throw the deep ball. Yeah, let's not get it let's not get it confused. I'm sitting here, you know, saying the house is on fire kind of, but we won a home game, a season opener, which we don't usually do, against a team that is on paper very good, with one of the greatest quarterbacks of all time, if not the greatest quarterback of the of all time on the other sideline. And and we didn't have to really sweat it out too often, you know. So, I'm I'm aware that we're spoiled as Saints fans with Drew Brees. So, I guess I'm just used to a different type of excellence. And all those reasons that you gave could be valid, valid reasons and not excuses as to why it happened the way it did. So, let's hope that it... Well, you know what? We're going to have to see because Mike's not going to play next week. Mike's injured. So, we're going to see... Oh, a, nice. Yeah, he's not playing. He's got a high ankle sprain. There's no way Sean's putting him on the field, especially after watching what... Carolina was able to do offensively against that Vegas team. We don't need Mike to win that game. Uh, we're going to pound the ball, I think, in that game. We're going to see a little bit more Ty Montgomery, but that's for a different episode. Um, the way I want to finish off this podcast is I want to do this every week. So, Elias, if we can get you on even for like 10 minutes to holler at us to do the post game, usually that would be pretty cool. But I want to rank the offense, defense, and special teams out of 10. So I'll start, give my little reasons, then I want to hear what you guys got, okay? So special teams, special teams, I gave us a 10. I I thought our special teams, top to bottom, coverage units were great. Uh, Justin Hardy lighting up that boy just made me, I thought he called for fair catch. I was like, where's the flag? I was so upset, and then I was so happy all together at the same time. Um, And then the pooch kick, which was pretty cool. I I thought we had a really good team. Uh, Deontay Harris flipped the field a bunch. So special teams for me was an absolute 10. I don't think they can play any better other than just scoring. Uh, Defense, I gave an 8 because I felt like there was just too too many penalties on the defensive end. Even if they were ticky-tacky and they might not have been penalties in the the eye of somebody else that might have been officiating the game, uh, they still got called. And they put points on the board for Tampa in the beginning of the game, which put us behind the 8-ball. I love their pass rush. Um, and I really love the way the secondary played. Marcus Williams, no one ever talks about him. Got another pick, you know, at a swing point in the game. That boy is going to get paid, and he's going to deserve it, and he's going to get it all that he, he's going to get all that he deserves. Offense, I gave us a six. I felt like we got really good field position, and we capitalized when we were supposed to, but they didn't do anything where I was like, yes, wow. I just was kind of bo- bored with our offense. The biggest play of the game for me was the uh, Jared Cook. You know, 35-yard pass. That play was one where I was like, finally, we had a 
play on offense to talk about. But uh, otherwise, I was pretty bored on offense. So I gave him a six. So if I average it out, I gave us a full eight for a complete team ranking. Uh, Justin, what do you got? Yeah, oh, it was a 10 for sure for special teams, the, the block field goal. And, and that, that's one thing I want to talk about, too, is, like, just, just speaking of anomalies, that we, we, we've talked about that so far this podcast. That word has come, has come up twice now. Um, okay, a pick six is considered an anomaly, correct? Mm-hmm. And a, a block field goal, likewise? Mm-hmm. Okay, so now if we take away that seven points from Janoris Jenkins' pick six, and we give Tampa Bay the three points, Margaret's time block, all of a sudden it's a tie or a one point game. Like, so did, like, we look good, like it was 24 7 at one point, but if you take away those those two plays, and, and you know, and you can't do that, of course, in thinking, but just doesn't it change, like, how good do we really play? Doesn't it make you question <laughs> a little bit about, in a rematch with these guys, if we don't get those two things again, like, it might be a, a different outcome. And I, I project it to be a different outcome, you know, come week eight or week nine, whatever week is you play them. I would caution I would caution you a little bit, Justin, on that one because you can't say what if we don't get a pick. Our our oh, defense our defense deserved that pick. So that's just so the we're, ebb and we're, flow we're of the game. Anomalies, right? so yeah, yeah. Just the anomalies of the game. Yeah. Um but you know, so those special teams that that block field goal on top of what you mentioned earlier, Ryan, is, is definitely a ten. And I think that that goes to the special teams coordinator. Like he's done an incredible job. Uh, and uh, and yeah, once once Deontay can you know break one off, um, which is going to come hopefully on Monday night, I think it's going to just you know make him the, the best special teams unit in the entire NFL for sure, if not already um, this season. Anyway, uh, defensively, yeah, I think I think I, I agree with you eight on that for sure. Um, made lots of good plays when they had to happen to get, you know, Tom and the guys off the field. Um, but yeah, I think the penalties kind of kicked in a bit more than we, we would have liked. And uh, more pressure from from camps, that would be nice next time. And then offensively, uh, yeah, it was nothing special. You're right, it was kind of a boring offensive game. And uh, I think a six would be an agreement there too, so I'll, I'll go all the way across the board with you and make it eight. Okay, so we got a trend going here, Elias. What you got? All right, so I'll start off with special teams, and obviously you get a 10 because you get the block field goal, but you guys failed to mention the uh, the pooch kick recovery. No, I mentioned, I mentioned that. I mentioned that. Yeah, that was that was okay, one, that was right. The, the block field goal, the pooch kick recovery, you went perfect on field goal attempts and extra points, and then the position that Deontay Harris gave us consistently. Mm-hmm. Um, you, you have to give you, you can't forget about the explosive tackle that Justin already made on that, on, the, on that punt coverage game. Yeah, he blew I him mean, up. special teams lit it up. Um, and, and defense, I, Thomas Morstead punts too. Like he had six punts, right? Perfect, five, yeah. were, five were inside the twenty, and there was zero return yards. Yeah, I mean, one thing you you right now know that good special teams play from the Saints is not an anomaly. I think that's something you can lean on week to week and say that that's a you know that's a something that the team just does well. That's a that's a plus for them as a team. Great special teams play. Um, defense, I'm, I'm kind of in between the eight and a nine, and the reason why I have them a little bit higher um, is because again they played very well in situational football. They took advantage of the 
the poor plays from Brady that I expected to happen. Brady doesn't make very many mistakes, but when you're going to a new team um, and you're not quite on the same page with receivers, there's going to be throws or missed throws there. Defense needed to capitalize. They did. Uh, Marcus Williams' pick was on a missed throw from Brady that he read the coverage wrong. Mm-hmm. Um, Janoris did what Janoris we've, we've been looking for for a number two for a while. When the play goes away from Marshawn Lattimore, we need a number two that can make plays. The way that Janoris peeled off his receiver, baited that throw, and then drove on it probably before Oof. it even left Brady's hand, that's the awareness you get when you swap a veteran player for a young player. You might lose some athleticism. You lose a little speed. But that intelligence, I think, is important. The fact that the run defense, despite showing several too high looks, despite being right in the box, still only allowed Tampa Bay barely above three yards to carry was important. Because if you got, you saw Brady checking the run uh, plays several times versus too high coverage, where you've got a light box. And all, not only is that, that box light from a number standpoint, it's light from a weight standpoint as well. Mm-hmm. Um, and the Saints were still able to stuff their, their, their running game, which, again, that helps. Overall, I think the defense played, because if you have to combine defense with special teams, um, I, I, I have to give the defense a, a – the only thing that would have made it better is they needed to get more quarterback hits. Yeah, I agree. A little bit more consistent pressure from the interior of the defensive line, which I think arguably, based on what Deuce was saying, we dropped a lot of our interior and coverage to take away some sharp plays. So they didn't really rush upfield a lot from the interior. Can I, that can... appears to be by design. Um, and so for that, I think the defense played better than, you know, what the score indicates because the whole Tampa Bay to only, what, 23 points um, – yeah, I think is 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 good play considering that they may have been outmatched talent wise based on the, the weapons that Tampa Bay has. They could have been outmatched talent wise. It wouldn't have bothered me if they gave up more points. Yeah. So to hold a, a team that can be explosive to Tampa Bay, you have to give them credit. Now, the offense I gave a seven, and I'm not as low on the offense because more importantly, the game is a complementary game. And though we have known the offense as being the centerpiece of the team for quite some time where the defense only had to be a small complementary piece of the offense, you've seen a bit of a swap from how this team plays football. So what looks like a poor performance from the offense, which very may well be, have been on different levels, poor performances from different guys in different spots. I think being a complementary offense they did what they needed to do. One of the most important things, while you can say, as J.D. brought up, that, hey, maybe if you don't get that pick six, you know, the game turns out different. That's a legit thought. But how about the simple fact that the offense continued a trend that we saw from last year? No turnovers. Mm-hmm. They didn't turn the ball over, despite having well over, what, 50 or 60 touches total played. They had zero turnovers. When you are an offense that isn't going to be scoring a lot of points, you're not getting yards, it's important that you don't put your defense into bad positions, something that Tampa Bay did. And I think Tampa Bay and New Orleans are very similarly designed teams. They want to play the same way. Well, the offense, when compared to Tampa Bay, even though Tampa Bay had more yardage, I would say that the offense overall played better 
as a compliment to their defense than Tampa Bay's offense did. Yeah, and you know so what? If you true. look at it through that prism, the offense played solid, just not what we expect to see from a Saints offense, and that's okay. Yeah. If the defense is going to be a focal point of this team, the offense needs to play the way it did. There are things they can do better as an offense that I'm sure they will improve on. But as a complimentary piece, they did what they needed to do, so I gave them a seven there. And shout-out Ramchek on that right side for being just an absolute monster. And shout-out Granderson. Yep. Shout-out Granderson. You know, I, I haven't been... I, I I was really high after I I heard that he gained some weight in the offseason and he took his diet serious and, and he showed up to camp looking like Terminator. That translated onto the field. He looks like a different player. So shout out Granderson and shout out Ramchek. I thought both those guys were phenomenal in that game. And I think that Granderson might might be pushing for more snaps after that performance. They're gonna find ways to get him on the field because I thought he was really good in the pass and the run. I thought for both. So, um, what about Malcolm Roach? How oh, that energy is that energy is Sheld- That's old Sheldon Rankin's energy, ain't it? Yeah. He was yeah. he was buzzing. He was around the field everywhere. But uh, so yeah. that, now look at her look at her DT spin cycle coming. We have Animata and, and <laughs> quick quick little side note when when he made a big play, I think he took out Gronk on that little two yard you know tease screen there. Green. Yeah, yeah, yeah. When, when I when he made that play, I said, on your mother. <laughs> and I'm like, that might be a good nickname for him, on your mother. That's a new nickname, yeah. But, I like that. Justin, I don't, mean, I don't mean to take this one away from you, but I'm Jamaican, right? So when Jamaicans say mother, we say mother. So for the yeah. longest time, I've been calling him on your mother. <laughs> it's been, it's been, a, I've been, I've been crushing that one over here for a long time. But I, it's hilarious that you came up with the same thing. Shy Tuttle. Shy Tuttle. Brown still making noise. Like, that DT group is, is special. And you know what's so crazy? We get Zach Bond back eventually. We get Davenport back eventually. We're going to get Kiko back eventually. Like, we actually have a very stout defense, so it's going to be exciting to see what happens. And uh, last thing, I just want to ask a question because I didn't know. Do you guys know why PJ was inactive? Is he actually injured? Yeah, he, he suffered an injury during practice that week. Okay. So yeah, it was it was talked about. It was uh he was definitely inactive because of the injury. Okay, okay, okay. And a sad note, Jadavian Clowney's first play as a Tennessee Titan was a sack. <laughs> the game's on yeah, right I mean, now. I, I didn't I didn't get the fact people were like, Oh, I mean listen, I don't think we needed Clowney. I think we wanted a player like Clowney, again, having someone to come in and play 50, 40% of the snaps that can give, because Clowney isn't known for being completely healthy all the time, but you combine him and Davenport, maybe you're giving them 60, 40 snaps or some games, 40, 60, depending on the matchup. Yeah. It bodes well for both of them as players um, and also the entire rotation. And yet people were like, oh, Clown only had three sacks. I'm like, that's more sacks than you had sitting from your couch last year. <laughs> so it's like, it's easy to harp on somebody and make it seem like they're not good. I think Clowney is, is good. Was he number one overall pick? Has he been that good? No, but to downplay him just because you don't have him, I think it's just kind of sour yeah. apples. Yeah, yeah. Um, Clowney would have been effective in this defense, even if it would have just been him only being with Cam Jordan, like, taking up two people yesterday, 
and having the one-on-one block that Trey Hendrickson got. 100. Imagine Clowney getting that all game. Stevie Wonder can see it. That would have been great. So That, that would have been terror, right? Yeah. So, um, you know, we didn't get him, but could we have used him? Absolutely. 100%. Yeah, you know, like they always say, what's better than $2 million? $3 million. You know what I mean? Like, it's, it, 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 doesn't, it doesn't matter. So, yeah, we could have used them. But, uh, yeah, man, this has been awesome, Elias. I'm going to send you some of that pepper sauce. Justin, I got some waiting for you. It, it'll, be, it'll be in the mailbox, Justin. Just come grab it. <laughs> um, will Drew Brees ever stop licking his fingers? This man's going to about to try and catch COVID as, as quick as he can. That's just starting to get really, really annoying. He's got to stop licking his fingers. He did. He still I, I didn't did. Even look for it. Yeah, he, did. He, he did it. They showed they showed the clip of him doing the shoulder shrug <laughs> and then licking his fingers. And I'm like, my man, you're on television, the game of the week on Fox. Stop licking your fingers. <laughs> old habits die hard, man. Yeah. Old habits die hard. Especially when you're an old curmudgeon like him. You know what I mean? He he old now. That Word. that receding hairline. Word. He got a, he's got a five or a six head now. That forehead is long gone. Anyways, boys. <laughs> what you know about that? Fifteen to thirty to thirty-seven to thirty-eight. <laughs> you know about that? All about the Benjamins. Oh, all about the Benjamins. I know all about that. Sound yeah. like else. Yep. Anyways, boys. Uh, it's been a pleasure. Elias, always. JD, always. Saints fans out there, keep it simple. Keep it safe, and we'll holler at you.